All right. Thank you for doing that. Uh, I gave you guys, if you were here last week, gave you a little clue about how I foresaw that I needed, we, we needed to be thinking about finishing out this year, and, and we're going to do that. I'm going to begin today sharing from God's Word and, and look forward to sharing with you more in January. But talking about the church, I asked a question last week, have you, have you seen the church? And, and many of you, you get that. And, and so what we're going to be doing is looking at really what it is to be a church. Because here's, here we are, five and a half years now, uh, at some point you go from church plant to a maturing church plant, meaning we don't have it all together, we don't have it all figured out, but we're figuring it out. We're in the process of, of creating systems and things, trying to figure out some things like small groups and discipleship groups and and, uh, and how, we, how we navigate things like that. And so it, when we do things like that, we've got to understand a few things about the church. Like when we talk about church, and we had a reminder a couple weeks ago from Pastor Lance that shared with you, he reminded us that when we talk about church, it's not a property and it's not a building, not a temple, guys. As he reminded us we are the temple, Everybody got that, right? And so if we are the temple and we're talking about what it is for us to be the church, then that's the reason I got this mirror here. Paula just reminded me it's a dirty mirror. So we're going to clean it between now and the next time. But this is a mirror and this is a chance for me to look into the mirror and, and take a look at me. But I want you to also do the same for you if you would... Agree with me to do that, that you, as we close out this year and prepare for a new year, that you're going to take the moment, you're going to take the time, and you'll track with us over the next few weeks and look into the mirror yourself, reflect upon who you are, what you're doing, and your role in this as your local body. That's another element of church. Yes, we are the church, but we do gather together, and when we do... It's a little bit messy sometimes. <laughs> That's why I like to have you shake hands and be friendly. Meet some new people. It is messy being in the church. It's messy because we're all a little bit messy. Amen? Amen. I mean, I am. You are. Uh, and yet we come together and Scripture addresses that and, and, and tells us how that we can accomplish that as the local church. One thing that we, we look at as a church, you know, when, when we come together, and we, we recently did a survey, hopefully you participated in that, and um, those were anonymous. You could pretty much say whatever you wanted to say. A lot of you did. Uh, <clears throat> but when you do, you know, a, a lot of you indicate. You, know, you, you heard about access. You heard um, it was an English-speaking church, and that brought you in here initially together. And, and that's really what we are. We are an English-speaking church, but we make every effort to translate as best we can. And that's why you see subtitles, and that's why you see songs in Spanish, songs in English. And we do as much as we can, but I also need to ask you, like, if, you're, if your first language is Spanish, and you see words on a screen, and you recognize the, the song and the, the words are in English, that's your opportunity to learn a little bit of English. Likewise, in Spanish, 
when um, I've seen words in Spanish, and I, I learned some new vocabulary through singing of songs. So I'm not looking for subtitles on that. I'm looking for how can I add to what's going on here. I, I, I don't want to say I need more of this, I need more of that. I, I, I don't want to ever be a consumer because the kingdom is upside down, others first. And so I'm not going to be a consumer, but I, we come together and we're a mix. And we're a mix today mostly of Americans because we're all Americans, right? Yes. Central Americans, North Americans, South Americans sometimes. And occasionally we get Europeans or other people here. But for the most part, guys, we're Central America. We've got Mexico represented usually. There we go, in the back. I see that hand. In the back, yes. We, got, we have Mexico. We, we have Central America. But, but I learned a few years ago that when we say America, I, I'm, I'm meaning Central America too. North America, it's all. And if I'm referring to North America, sometimes I'm specifically saying Canada or United States because I don't want to offend anybody by saying, well, you're not, you're not American. That's not true. And so some thinking like that sometimes. Because when we do come together and we're blending multiple cultures, again, it's a little bit messy. And I look around in those who mentor me and other churches, and they don't even try to do what we're doing. They just separate it. They say, okay, we're going to have a Spanish service on Saturday night and we're gonna, or, or some other time, and, and anybody that wants Spanish, you go then, and anybody that wants English, you go here, and, and it becomes separate, separate gatherings. And I don't like that. I don't want that, ever. I would rather have the mess. Okay? Let's have the mess. More like heaven that way, guys. And Edgar Ramos reminds me that the language of heaven is Spanish. <laughs> he may be right, I don't know, but you know, we but we gotta work at it then if we're gonna gather together and, and we're gonna be have some give and some take. Because here's here's the number one strategy of the enemy that he's gonna use against us, and it's to get our hearts offended. Let me repeat that. The number one strategy the enemy uses against us is to get our hearts offended. <laughs> That's truth. Just absorb that one for a moment. I didn't know what, we were, what exactly to call this today, but I'm calling it unoffendable because as we close out the year and look to a new one, and as we look at how we can mature as a church, I want you to remember this word. And I would love for us as a church to embrace it and become people of God who are unoffendable. Because our first reaction is not to be suspicious. Oh, everyone's against me. Everyone knows what I did last week. Everyone knows my failure. And that's probably not true. Guys, they're not worried about you. They're worried about themselves. But yet the enemy plays in our mind. And the enemy finds ways to push your hot button to where you're not able to function and so some of you are so close. I mean, you've, you've been here, you've been being discipled, you've connected in the fellowship, and, and God ready to use you as we continue to grow as a church and establish your ministry here. And what way, better way to take you out than to get you offended? How do we get offended? 
Let's look at the word of God first. Let me share with you Colossians chapter 3, the words of the Apostle Paul. I love this one. Therefore, as God's chosen people, the elect, the church, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself. My version says put on, but just talking about the clothes that you're putting on, you're going to put on compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness, and patience. These are the things that you're going to put on and that you're going to bear with each other. I, I, I have that highlighted in my Bible because I, I, I want to remember that, that I, see, I've got to, I'm called to put up with you. You're called to put up with me. Right? Yeah. It's not always easy putting up with other people. Not always easy bearing with each other. But this is what Paul's telling us to do. And again, this is to the elect. This is to the chosen. This is to the church. And do this. You're putting up with one another. You're also forgiving one another. If you have a grievance against someone, uh uh-oh, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I see I, I need forgiveness I need forgiveness this week and I'm not afraid to ask for it but at the same time when someone asks me for it I've got to be ready to give it someone else needs forgiveness okay then I, as I'm reminded by this verse, I forgive as the Lord forgave me. Yeah, it, it's not always easy. But here's what happens. When someone is offended and they let me know about it and they say, I'm sorry, forgive me, then I've got a choice to make. Because I may say, you know what, I'm not going to forgive you. No way. Wrong answer. Because I need forgiveness. And I'm here to remind you, you need forgiveness. You don't have it right. You're not right every moment of every day. You've got a life to live out, and, you, and it's a give and it's a take. That's what it is to, to, to bear with each other. And that's what it is when we mix cultures together. That we're so easily offended, guys. Or we get thinking it, our way is the best way. I grew up in Kentucky, and everything's got to be like Kentucky. I'm far from Kentucky, guys. <laughs> But I learned some things that have worked well with Guatemalan culture. You see, where Paul and I come from, I mean, it's huggy bear country. I mean, we hug everybody. You know, and and I know some of you would would prefer a nod, and you do this. (laughs) Or sometimes you do this. When you do this, I, I grab you with both hands and just rub all over you. Because I'm over that one. But see, not a, it, in the United States of America, I've lived in different places. And when I was uh, like 18, I moved to Washington State and discovered that I was not in Kentucky anymore because they did not want my hugs either. I got a whole lot of this. I don't know. You better back off. Back off, guy. We don't hug here. And it wasn't that they didn't love me. It's just a different culture. But see, I arrive in Guatemala. Besitoville. I mean, you welcome me. We are like-minded. 
It works. You know, we, it, it is a warm hug. It is warm, fuzzy, uh, relational. Uh, very, it, that, that's what people love about Guatemala, I think. I mean, you are just a warm, friendly culture. But if I back up for a moment and we, we look at, okay, you heard about an English-speaking church and you, you figured out, you know what? I see Guatemalans in the photos and the video. And as a Guatemalan, I'm thinking, I'm going to go to that church. I think they're welcoming me. It's not just some missionary church. But you come, and you've got to come with, they come with a little bit of expectation. Because Guatemalan culture, like Kentucky culture, you come in and you're expecting a warm, friendly welcome. And we don't always get that, do we, guys? Let me tell you where we're going. You've got, to give, you've got to bear with me today because I'm going to step on both toes. I don't care which part of America you're from. It's very likely you may get your toe mashed today. But I'm trying to remind you what it is to blend these cultures together because what we have is a very beautiful representation of the kingdom of God. And we could mature as a church by embracing the word of God to say, this is, this is what I want to apply to my life. And so I've got to adjust the expectations a little bit. There was a movie a few years ago. I'm, I'm skipping down a little bit. I don't know if you guys have this, but it, it was a quote from Plato, and it's from the movie, recent movie called Wonder. There was a guy there, Augie, and a the theme in that movie was words of Plato, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Um, I had some battles this week. I stand here victorious, but I had some battles. Come on, I'm not alone, am I? Okay, you, you had some battles, okay. And, and so if I'm going to make an assumption when I enter the room, my best assumption would be to think, you know what, my friend Stanley, he fought some battles this week. And you might assume that about me. I had, I had some battles this week. Yeah, I may have put on a smile. I may have shown up. I may look victorious on the outside, but, I, but it was a battle. And it's generally a battle for this pastor every week. And I assume that it is a battle for you. And so when I come in and you don't greet me but warm and fuzzy because you're, 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 you're a bit downcast and I don't see a smile on your face, what I assume is that you need a hug, <laughs> but, but I'm going to be careful. I'm not going to jump right out there, but, but, but I'm assuming then exactly this. I have this written down. I have this in different spots so that I see it throughout the week, and I'm reminded that someone that I'm encountering could be having a very bad, rotten day, or they're fighting a hard battle. And so I don't want to judge the whole church. So if I were to come in here for the first time, and let me, let me go back to being Guatemalan again. I come in here for the first time and I have an expectation that as I see a missionary, that I'm expecting that missionary because I elevate that missionary a little bit. And a missionary, I say we're all missionaries. I'm going to keep saying that. That's on repeat. We're all missionaries. I don't care how God funds your ministry, but we're all missionaries. But yet there are those who are professional missionaries, meaning that they are supported by churches and individuals. That's how they're financed. That's how they're here. 
And for many of them, they come into this room and they've been working five, six days a week doing ministry and they come here to get a bit of refuel. Am I accurate, missionary? And they've been doing ministry and serving all week in a foreign land and maybe speaking Spanish and they come here and as and, and many times they come in and they go back out. Why do they do that? They do that, right or wrong, they do that because they're needing to be recharged and refilled and refueled themselves. Some missionaries, guys, do not use a microphone. They don't speak that much and they're introverted and shy. Anyone? You're not going to say anything, but I know you are. <laughs> That's what happens. They're introverts or shy, so they come in and they go back out. But a Guatemalan who comes in here and they think, wow, they weren't very friendly to me at all. During handshake time, they didn't make any effort to speak to me. Guys, that's because they're shy and they're introverted. Come see me. I, I will hug you. It'll be okay. It, you know. But what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say, guys, it's a, this is the mix of culture. This is the mix of culture. And I, there has to be some give and take. Can you bring that scripture back again? The Colossians? Okay. You're going to bear with each other. It means I'm going to put up with you. I'm going to put up with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume, if I assume anything, that you've had a very bad day. And, you're, and that's why you're quiet. And that's why you're not friendly. And so don't get your feelings hurt. Pray for someone like that. Because they could be Guatemalan. They could be North American. They could be anything. It, it just, as we interact people during the week, not just on Sunday, is that we got to put up with a little bit. There's got to be some give and some take, some grace extended, the ability to forgive when we are offended. We've got to be able to forgive and we've got to be able to come together and not let it be our button that is pushed. And so we, we are all of a sudden, we were so close, God using us in amazing ways and all of a sudden we're back out and we're church shopping and looking again. And you look over your own life and you've gotten offended about 10 times and that's, why, that, that's your church history for the last 20 years. You've been in tw 10 different churches. Because you've gotten offended. And, and you didn't take biblical wisdom, biblical instruction, but you let your emotions lead you and you, you called it the Holy Spirit and it wasn't. And you know that. And you didn't, you didn't do what you were supposed to do as a believer. And so there's a, there's a process of immaturity that keeps repeating itself. Let me go on a little bit about what's in this room. We've got the introverts, we've got the shy. Um, others are outgoing, but they tend to focus conversations on their close friends. Now, Guatemalans do this. Uh, missionaries do this. They, have, they only see each other what, once a week, and, it's a, and they, they spend that little hug and handshake time seeing the people that they love and miss the most. And you've got new people in the room that are here for the first time, and you don't know them. And what brought you here and kept you here was because someone back when we were had 50 people is that someone just hugged your neck and made you feel welcome and you and you felt embraced but I'm asking you to look into the mirror because I'm I need you 
to repeat the DNA that has kept you here as a believer. It's an outward focus. It's not inward. The kingdom's upside down. It's others first. And yeah, I need recharged. I need refueled. But I've also got to be one who's willing to bear with and put up with some other people. I need you. I need you. See, there are folks in this room, and I could be one of them, that push your buttons. And you keep coming back anyway. It's true. It could, it could be that way. But there's some, some folks here, and they're the people. May, yeah, you're not going to be BFFs. Maybe they're not going to be invited to your birthday and vice versa. But you're still going to get along in this room. You're still going to recognize their faith is in Jesus Christ. And we don't work well together, but we can love and respect each other. Should be an amen there, but um, Okay. All right, here my continue list. We see we have Guatemalans who are also missionaries. You don't have to be North American to be a missionary. There are Guatemalans who are a missionary support. There are other Guatemalans who work on staff of a mission organization. We have Guatemalans who are teachers, administrators, lawyers, doctors, dentists, business owners, entrepreneurs, call center workers, supervisors, students, retirees. I hope I didn't leave anybody out. We have tent makers in reference to Acts 18, verses 1 through 4. Those who do multiple things, like me, I, I've been selling insurance for 32 years. I, I just do it. It's part of who I am, a part of my, how God blesses my ministry, uh, resources my ministry, resources some of the things in this room even. I'm okay with that. But many of you who Whatever your role is, you, see, you identify with that. You say, I've got a ministry, and God funds me because I'm a lawyer. But uh, from that, I see every day as an opportunity to do ministry. You see, we have cultural differences and expectations in addition to all the normal stuff of life that we deal with. And Paul reminds us here that we're putting up with one another. And I think it fits so well with those words of Plato, that be kind for everyone's fighting a hard battle. Paul continues, and I, I don't think I gave them this verse in time, but it's worth repeating. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. For Christ himself, I'm going to read, from, this is the New Living Translation. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He united Jews and Gentiles. That was no easy task, guys. Because you, you've had Jewish culture who have been the gatekeepers of the relationship with God for centuries and then all, all of a sudden comes this move of God evidenced by the Holy Spirit and, and being, the Holy Spirit being poured out on Gentiles and Samaritans even and then coming together. And so there's division and Paul reminded that, see, Christ came, that there was only one. So, only one. You know, see, that, that's real easy. That's an easy step for me because I grew up that way. 
I, was, I grew up, and what was taught to me is you treat everybody the same. I don't care what color the skin is. I don't care if they're rich or poor or what kind of title they have. You see that everyone is welcome at this table, and we treat everybody the same. Man, isn't that a beautiful thing? I'm so thankful for that in terms of heritage. But not everybody grew up that way. And not everybody grew up that way in Paul's audience. And he's reminding them, it is one Jesus, guys. And his shed blood on the cross brings about unity, or it should, in the church. As we come together. See, there is not one person here in this room better than you. Better than me. And see, guys, I'm, I'm volunteering here this morning. <laughs> We're all on the same page. I get it. You, that, you know, in Guatemala, more than the U.S., I think, you kind of elevate me a little bit. I get that. I get that. And I, it makes me want to be really careful about my witness. I want to be sure what I'm doing. I don't want to be off key. I don't want to be uh, doing something that doesn't fit well in culture. But see, we all should be the same way. We all should be thinking the same thing. We don't want to be divisive. We don't want to be doing things that cause division instead of unity. And, if, and I don't think, in my conversations with all of you, I don't think I've ever detected in anyone that's here this morning, and I'm looking, that doesn't see and agree with exactly what I'm saying. You don't, you don't elevate yourself, yourself above anybody else. I believe that. I believe you, you feel there's equality in the room. Okay, I, I, so I'm not pointing fingers, but I am pointing out Scripture because I want you to see how difficult this actually is. And here's what happens. You look at Acts 15, you see the Jerusalem Council. Peter confirms, hey, this is what's going on in the Holy Spirit, guys. Holy Spirit's moving among the Gentiles. It's the same because they're, they're trying to figure out because the Jewish folks are trying to get, okay, these Gentiles are are coming to faith, but they've got to be Jewish first, and we're going to have to cut these guys, going to have to be circumcision, and, and it's hard, but that, that's the system. They've been the gatekeepers, and you're talking about something different, and James, half-brother of Jesus, he's in charge. He agrees with, with Peter's witness, and then, and then they come up with four rules. I want you to see these four rules. Four rules that Gentile Christians should live by. Abstain from food polluted by idols. Abstain from sexual morality. Abstain from the meat of strangled animals and blood. Now, they, they, these weren't salvation issues. These were to promote peace within the early church. This is what bearing with one another looks like. You know what? I've got some freedom in Christ, and I don't have to be Jewish first. But I'm also not going to put it in their face. I'm not, they, they've got long-standing culture, and I'm not, I'm not going to go um, you know, eating my fried chicken like that. I'm not going I'm, I'm to intentionally offend someone else because I've got some freedom. Instead, there were some common sense rules. Does that make sense? Because we need some common sense rules right here. <laughs> I need you to look beyond yourself. I need you to give and take a little bit. And I'm talking North American. I'm talking Central American. Central American, please, guys, don't, don't get offended so easily. 
please. If somebody wasn't, wasn't warm and fuzzy and friendly, just come see me. Seriously, just. I got free hugs. It, don't be so sensitive. Don't be offended so easily by something like that. North Americans, guys, could you put on a smile a little bit? Can, can I have that verse again, Colossians, please? I mean, these are the clothes we're putting on, guys. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness. Some of you don't look very kind. Come on, we can do better. Humility, others first, gentleness, patience. You don't have to look intimidating. How do you look? How do you act? Can you at least clothe yourself in a way that represents that Christ is in you and alive in you and has put a joy in your step that, yeah, you're in a battle, but you're winning the battle. Oh. Okay. In other words, take some steps, guys, toward unity. So not to be offensive, not to be so insensitive to the needs of others. When we come together like this, guys, there's always people in the room that need us to be Jesus. You see, and I, when I got started here almost 17 years ago, my, my opportunity to be Jesus uh, and be on my A game was I, I was in a children's home. And then I was out in the village areas. And so, you know, I wanted, I wanted people to see me like this. I wanted to be kind and, and with humility and gentleness and patience. But then also it, it's important. See, I'm, I've come here as a guest in a foreign land. And, and so it's, it, it, there's Guatemalans here today. And I've tried already to hug everyone that I've seen. And I always do that. Because I, I want to be like this. Even if you don't agree with me, I want you to just to know that the joy of the Lord's a real deal in his life. And he's put on the right clothes today. And hopefully I've made your day a better day. But see, we've grown to the point, guys, and maturing as a church that it can't be just me anymore. It's got to be you. I'm asking you to look in this mirror and look at you. Sturdy, I know, but we're gonna we're gonna fix that. Guys, I hope you're getting this today. Hope you're understanding me. I get it all. I understand it all. But that what we have here is too beautiful to destroy. What we have here is too beautiful to let someone get offended and they disappear. That's what happens. Nobody wants to tell me what I don't want to hear. So they don't want to say anything, but they start disappearing. And I've got, I've got a lost sheep list every week. Don't, don't be on a lost sheep list. I'm asking you, if this is your house, too, I mean, just respect. If you truly got so offended by something or someone hurt you or you're just feeling the Holy Spirit leading you somewhere, could you at least just let me know? That's kind of what I was poking at last week when I said, I'll be your pastor if you'll let me. You've got to let me. Otherwise, I, we got enough people. You can disappear, and then you can say, you know what? They didn't even come looking for me. Come on. I love you guys. I truly do. I really do. I love the Lord, but I love you. I do my very best to encourage you, to help you, 
challenge you. And that's what I'm trying to do today. I'm trying to challenge everybody to call us to a new step. Here's what happens, though. I'm over time, but we're going to need to go over, guys. I'm sorry. James 4, verses 1 through 3. This is worth choking down here a minute. James chapter 4. What causes the fights and quarrels? Those are conflicts. What causes those among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? Those are, those are unmet expectations. You had an expectation. It didn't work out for you and didn't go your way. And they war within you. They eat at you. They, they trigger you. You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You don't pray. You're not praying about it. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. You have the wrong motives. You want to be in charge. You want to be the, the jefe. You want to be the big boss. And so that you may spend it on your own pleasures, your own selfish, your own ego, your own self-esteem. You didn't get it your way. And see, here's where the test comes. See, you, you heard no to your idea, your plan, your ministry, your goal. What you wanted got rejected. Maybe it was a timing issue. Maybe, and, and, you, and then you, you got thinking about it and you're afraid you're going to get passed over and you're going to get forgotten about. And so man, I'm just ticked off and I'm just, I'm just going to let everybody know about it and you start letting other people know about it or you just keep it all inside and you just get mad and, and you start showing up less and you get mad about the church and you get mad about leaders and this is the way it works, guys. And this is the enemy pushing your button and taking you out. And that's what I'm trying to to get us to mature as a church. Because I'm going to be unoffendable. <laughs> I'm going to be unoffendable. See, I'm going, to, I'm going to choose trust over suspicion. I'm not going to automatically assume that you're out to get me. I'm going to assume that, oh, there must be something else going on. See, I did that earlier in the faith 40 years ago. because It was easier to swallow. I didn't know so much. And kind of what happens, I think, is we get thinking we know so much, and we're the most qualified person in the room, and then when things don't go our way, and maybe we didn't say no, it's just that it didn't work out. Our expectations are blown. And so we're so disappointed, and we're mad at God, and we're mad at the people around us. And then that becomes the test, then. And sometimes it's, well, I've got to go tear the door down, they can't overlook me. I'm the, I'm the most qualified on paper, and I'm the most qualified person, and, and it could be that we, you just, you're not looking in the mirror. Because it could be that God has led those who are making that decision to put someone else in that position, and they've been led by God, led by the Holy Spirit to do so. But here's the thing, guys. God is big enough that if an individual has gotten that wrong, he is big enough to wake them up in the middle of the night and say, you know what? You need to go call Michelle. Is your God not that big? He's, big, he's that big for me, but I'm reminding you today. 
I'm not making this up. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 16, the first 13 verses. You don't have to turn there. But David is almost passed over to be anointed as king. But God's not going to let that happen because it's his time. It's his appointed hour. And he tells him, you look again. You look again because and I, here he comes. You see, my God's that big. And so is yours, whether you think so or not. That you will not be passed over. When it's your time, the God that we know, the God that we love, the God that we serve, he will open the door or close the door. And I don't have to make something happen, but I can trust in him and trust in his sovereignty. Not just when it feels good, but all the time to say, God, your will be done and not mine. Because that's the best way in the kingdom. I got to say it again. That's the best way in the kingdom. His will, not yours. He's not my genie in the bottle to rub the bottle three times and get three wishes. Get that out of your head, guys. That's, That's terrible, bad thinking, bad theology, bad teaching that leads you to a place of disappointment to think that you can manipulate the hand of God who knows everything, knows the future, knows what you do not see on the other side because we see as as though it's obscured a little bit. We don't have it quite together. If you're a parent, you should be able to understand that. My kids ask for stuff all the time, and I say no. And he says no. And my kids are disappointed. But I try to remind them, and this is a teachable moment for them. Guys, I see some things you don't see. Bee, bee, bumblebee. Come on. (laughs) That's a a children's story. But he sees some things we don't see, guys. He knows some things. He knows some shortcomings. He knows some future. He knows what we can handle and what we can't. And I'm trusting in him. And we all need to. He won't forget you. Now, what happens, though, and I'll wrap this up. What happens when uh, something has been said to, about us, something has been done to us? Matthew 18. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. If they don't listen, take one or two others so that every matter can be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector, special assignment sinner. There's three things there. And if we could get this right as a maturing church to say, okay, if, if I've been offended, if my brother has offended me, I don't go crying to Paula. I don't go crying to my friends but I go directly to the source and say, my brother, I'm sorry. <laughs> or I say, my brother, uh, what you did, it offended me. Uh, am I understanding this correctly? Did you, did you say that? I, I'm, this is an illustration. Right? Please, it's not. But, but that's how we do it, guys. We go one-on-one. And you know what? And sometimes, because of cultural differences even, sometimes he says to me, oh, no, no, that, that was not the intentions at all. That was not what I was saying. That was not what I intended. And then we embrace and hug, and it's over. What a beautiful way to 
solve conflict. Because a lot of things stop right here if we could get this right. And so what happens, the maturing ones in this room and your friend or your family member comes to you, Michelle, and says, hey, can you believe what, what Paula did and blah, blah, blah. You don't even, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't even let them say that stuff. Have you talked to her first? Come on. Have you talked to her first? Because if you don't do that, see, the mature believer points them right back to the source. You don't even want to hear that stuff. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to listen to that. You go and make it right. You go take the right biblical steps. Mark this in your, in your Bible, Matthew 18. Now, if that doesn't work, then you gather a couple witnesses and you go and you meet. And if that doesn't work, then you escalate it. It's so easy. It's so mature. It's so kingdom-minded. Oh, I could get excited if we as a church could embrace some stuff like this. This is what maturing faith looks like. You see, the biggest challenge we have today, we, we live in a day when it's a day of division and people getting offended all the way around. People ready to fight. People ready to throw down and, and be mad at each other continually. And, and here, yet there is a clear and a biblical path for us to know how to think, how to process through offenses, and how to respond from a godly, biblical standpoint. Child of God, don't you want that in your life? Not led by your emotions, but led by the Holy Spirit. Whoo! Man, that's a, that's a mature church. That's a church that the presence of God will work in and through for his glory. Amen. That's exactly it. And I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I want you to be led by the Holy Spirit. I don't want us led by our emotions. I don't want us going crazy. I don't want us being embarrassed because of something we've done. But part of growing up as a church will be how we learn to deal with division, offenses, differences, the number one strategy, again, of the enemy to take you out is to get your heart offended. Church, could we commit today to be unoffendable? Not today. Not today, devil. Not today, because I'm choosing to trust people. I'm not going to be suspicious. I'm not going to let my mind go crazy. I'm not going to let my heart be led astray. But I'm going to trust in you. You are a God who is trustworthy. And I believe you're doing incredible things in this community and in this gathering that we call Access. And it begins with me. And, and if individually we could begin to, to think exactly like that and saying, Holy Spirit, would you just fill me? I want to be led by you in every step of my life and in every relationship that I have. In the name of Jesus. Why not you stand to your feet, guys? What's going to happen over the next few weeks as we are not gathering? Guys, that's an opportunity for me. I'm, I'm never off. I'm never punching the clock out. I'm leading my family or I'm at a gathering and I have an opportunity to represent Jesus everywhere I go. And so what I'm going to share with you will be continued items of reflection. And this is an opportunity for you to go and be the church. Your family's probably gathering for the World Cup. Don't, don't go off and think, well, what kind of church is that? It's a church that releases you to go do ministry. Go do ministry. Your family need to know. They need to know Jesus. 
I've got family like that. You do too. But we're going to equip you over the coming weeks and challenge you as we continue to close out this year strong. So stay tuned, stay informed, stay connected. And if you have any questions about what I shared today, again, I I hope you receive this and the love that it was intended. I love you. Beyond that, the Lord loves you. And I believe he's doing a great work right here in this church and in your life, and he's doing it in my life. Let's praise him today as we get ready to leave this place.